You're listening to the Weekly Portland Podcast. For a complete list of episodes, visit pdxpod.com or find us on iTunes or your favourite podcast app. Remember to like, share and subscribe. Am I finished with this yet? I used to do Shakespeare in the West End. Now I'm doing podcasts. I used to have dreams. You're listening to pdxpod.com. And I don't care in the slightest. Hello, my name is Gregory Day and welcome to the show. Please excuse my announcer. He's off his medication. Today, our special guest is producer and director Beth Harrington. Her most recent work was the critically acclaimed documentary, The Winding Stream, now available streaming on Netflix. Beth's current project, The Musicianer, is currently in production. It's a music-driven narrative with a supernatural bent. Sounds fascinating. My name is Gregory Day, and I really like chatting with people. That's why I have this show. And today we're going to have a very nice chat with Beth Harrington. The music you're listening to is Petunia, the featured artist on The Musicianer. have a kickstarter coming up i do i'd like to hear more about this the musicianer the musicianer yes yes i'd like to hear all about this project okay good well <laughs> it started it's an outgrowth of a previous film i did yes um which was a co- film called the winding stream which was a documentary yes about the original carter family and the relationship to johnny cash and when i finished that film a couple th- as, as i was finishing that film a couple things happened finally Finally fish- I finally finishing finished that the film. film. You heard about the long saga of taking- I was at Create Corner. I listened to your entire oh, I presentation. You- I've watched the film twice. Okay, well then you, you know the sad tale of how long it took to make yes. that film. Yes, yes. So as I was finally finishing it, and I was determined to get it done, and we had a premiere at South by Southwest, and everything was exciting. Right, big um, deal. I met a musician who blew me away, and I thought, oh, Damn, I wish I had met him before, because he would have been in the film, too, doing one of those Carter songs. Um, and his name, he's a Canadian musician, and his name is Petunia. Right. He's from a band called Petunia and the Vipers. And they're an amazing, kick-ass, roots music band. And he's an incredible singer, an incredible performer, and we had mutual friends. And he and I started talking, and I said, you know... He said, if you ever need someone to play Jimmy Rogers in a film, I'm your guy. And I said, you know, I bet you are. And we started talking about it. And then I realized, you know, there is something here. I don't want to make a biopic about the country singer Jimmy Rogers. But I did think that he had a presence, Petunia had a presence and just a way of communicating that I thought was very interesting. And it turns out he'd done a little acting. And so long story short... We started trying to develop a project, and the project we've developed is The Musicianer. And it's an episodic digital series, and we're just shooting the pilot this year. And it's about this um, musician who's sort of trapped in time. 
So it's a little supernatural, but it's got a lot of country music in it. So it's like it's kind of um, combining genres. Trapped in time. Trapped in time. He's 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 immortal. Got a ragtime formula inside of my head. I'm coming back to me now from the ages of the dead. If Tom Waits could yodel, and I'll bet that he can it up inside his head. Feel like I'm crawling back from the what do you do with the poison in your head? Seeping and a creeping in every single bed in your dreams when you wake and you're baking in me. Every little try, but you can't and you try. Mercy, mercy. Intrigued, <laughs> right? You're dangling a carrot here. Yeah, well, that's what we want because it's a series. The carrot's right. got to dangle for a while, and uh, we're going to be shooting in June, and then shooting again in October, and we'll have the pilot done. And so the, this Kickstarter will help us get the pilot done. Anything else you want to tell us about this project without giving away too much? Well, uh, the cool thing about, about it is that um, it will feature both contemporary musicians in it. And they'll be in a contemporary context, but they, there's also pieces of the film that will, of the whole series that will flash back to different times. So some of these musicians will p- play themselves in other time periods. So it's it's really fun. It lets it lets people do stuff that they lots of makeup, their, right? Lots of makeup, lots of costumes. Okay. We just bought a beautiful suit for Petunia and a straw boater, so he's he's going to look the part. Twelve hundred miles its length and breadth the four square city stand. It's The winding stream was very trying for you. You <laughs> talked about it a lot at CreateCon and lots of drama. <laughs> lots of drama. Now, first thing I noticed watching this flick was that it was co-produced by Tara Johnson Bedinger. Mm-hmm. We both worked at the... Uh, it wasn't called the Hollywood Foundation then, but we were involved with the foundation that runs the Hollywood Theater. Oh, and, right. And uh, I met her then because she was just... Jan start- Halstead? Uh, yeah, well, that period. And then later, um, Tara started doing uh, the Portland Women's Film Festival, Powfest, yes, out, of, yes. out of the Hollywood. So, and, I, and both of us are involved in women in film, so we got to know each other. And I think it was around the time I did my first Kickstarter campaign for The Winding Stream... Uh, she had been doing that herself, and I said, you know, can I enlist you to help me get this thing going? So the two of us worked together to, to raise money for Winding Stream. And then she just took on more of that role as we went along. So that's how she became co-producer of Winding Stream. The thing went on for so long that people there people have a history with the film. They come in <laughs> and out of it over over like 13 years, you know. But she was years. very involved for a long was time. Was this Johnny Cash's last appearance in film? We thought so. Turns out there was one other interview, and it was with MTV. And it was like oh, really? a okay. day later. But this was a very <laughs> substantive, I think the, the most substantive. Well, I'd like to think so. And he's talking about the love of his life. Uh, yeah. Uh, so this is a touching film. And we're talking about the, the winding stream again. It's almost like three different films, three different... I felt, hmm. am, I, am I on base here? I, what do you think? I, well, in terms of, we're telling generational stuff. So, yeah, there's the, the, yeah. Ori- the original Carters. There's the sisters, 
the, the you know the next generation, next generation, and then their relationship with Johnny Cash, and then there's yet another generation that's depicted in it. So yeah, it it crosses three generations of one family. And the the footage with Johnny Cash was filmed in 2003. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Aug- wow. It was August of 2003, and he died in, in September. September. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And he was awesome. He was so great to us. You know, it, it, it was just an incredible opportunity. And I, I thought, you know, he was very frail. He, was, he had been in the hospital that morning when he agreed to do the interview. And he was a trooper. He just did it and, and was kind and generous and funny. And he acted like there was nothing wrong. And it was amazing. Yeah, you don't often hear... A guy talk about his mother-in-law the way he talks about his mother-in-law. Right. It's really amazing. You know, you're sitting across from Johnny Cash and he says, my mother-in-law was the VIP of the VIPs. Yeah. And I've seen them all. And I was like, oh my God, he has seen them all. I mean, he knew everybody from Elvis to Bono. Some you know? records, right. <laughs> yeah. Now this film premiered at South by Southwest after 13 years of work. Yes, now, why? Why did it take so long? It's just, it's mostly, surely a matter of money, you know? Um, it's just money? It's just money. It's just for money. all the stock footage and photographs? I mean, it would have taken a while, yeah, for, for, the, for, the, um, for the music and for the, for the archival footage and photos, yeah. And mostly the music. I mean, the music cost a fortune. This um, was, uh, I mean, there was so much music in this film. Yeah, there were about 40 songs in the film. And there were some funny moments. Uh, Border Radio, this crazy (laughs) doctor, John R. Brinkley, talking about (laughs) unhooding the clitoris. That's the least of what he's been up to. What about the goat gland operation? Because the Carters were two women and a, and a man, the women had children, and the women really felt like they couldn't tour much. So their record company and their manager said, you know, you've got to do something yeah. to, to get exposed. You know, you can't just sell records in a vacuum. So they got this deal to go to Border Radio. And, that, and so I knew that there was that piece of it. Um, and then I started researching Brinkley himself, and I was like, oh, my God, this man is the ultimate quack doctor. Where did you find that video of this quack doctor? There is, um, so he, before <laughs> he wound up in Mexico, Dr. Brinkley was run out of Kansas because <laughs> he, was, he was maiming people with his operations. <laughs> so he had to leave the country, or he was going to probably get thrown in jail. So the really? Kansas Historical Society has a great deal of stuff about Brinkley. Which historical there. society? The Kansas Historical okay. Society. Okay. So he was in Kansas, um, in a small town in Kansas, where he first built his hospital, where he first did his radio shows, and where he first did his goat gland operation. Right. And, um, and he was so popular at the time. He wasn't popular with the authorities, but they, he actually ran for governor and a write-in campaign, and if people had cons- been consistent about the way they wrote him in, he would have won the governorship of the state of Kansas. So interesting. He's interesting a really fellow. interesting character. It's a great side story. Yeah. And yeah. I'm just curious. Did, do you know Peter Collin? He's a oh yeah biographer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
What's your really? So you've met Pizza? I've, I've just met him briefly. I know it was work more than anything. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sort of doing the same thing as you in a, a totally different media. Sure. Sure. Um, great guy. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 The cool part about documentaries, doing historical documentaries and looking for archival footage is you have to love the hunt. And if you love the hunt, then it's fun. You know, it's it's because you can't find yes. everything online. So this was a labor of love. Yeah. But, I, I mean, I, I was fortunate. I did some of it initially. Then I found um, locally a great researcher, Alana, Alana Soul, who is a fine filmmaker in her own right, but she also does research. And the two of us, like, just get a kick out of trying to find these rare pieces of footage. And sometimes it's really a question of finding, you know, an individual who's been, frankly, hoarding some of this stuff. And you really have to, you know, hunt around and find the right people. But we've found some great sources of material. A lot of musicians have some of this stuff, too, because they're so into the history of this stuff. So we... we um, Came up with some great pieces, some stuff people had not seen before. And that Dr. Brinkley stuff is not seen very much, for sure. So, that was uh, fun. Boy, Anita Carter's voice. Such a beautiful voice. Oh, my God. Isn't she great? Yes. Yeah, she could have... I really feel like she wasn't managed properly or something. Because they tried to make her a solo star, and it just didn't take. I don't know if it was the material or what. But she's, she had one of the great country music voices. What do you think of CreateCon? How was that experience? The oh, creative great. conference? It was great. It was great. Steve I mean, Galen. I was honored to be there with those other folks. I mean, I was yes. like, what am I doing up here with them? They're cool. Really? Oh, yeah. You showed clips of this, of this uh, film. That, it was and, fun, yeah. Uh, it really was fun. And uh, you showed clips of Johnny Cash you talked about money a lot. You were you, <laughs> you were a bit fast. I tend to harp on that. <laughs> yes, yes. You're like, oh my god, I couldn't believe. So when you started this project, you were thinking, wow, okay, I'm gonna get it done in a couple of years, right? Yeah. Hubris. Yeah. Is that hubris? Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> so it got harder to raise money because there's more people doing it. It's yeah. digital realm we live in now. Right. I mean, I think I I I, I will say though it was quite humbling personally to be going through it because I had been... You were very successful. I'd, I'd been pretty first, good at it before yes. and all of a sudden I wasn't good at it and I was like, what happened? Did people not like me anymore? Is, is this a bad topic? Taking you know? it personal perhaps. Like, yeah, yeah, you know, you don't know what, what's going on but what I realized, um, in fact, it took talking to some of my other friends who were filmmakers to realize that it wasn't unique to me that they were lots of other people were having the same struggles and a lot of it had to do with you know, digital disruption, that the models are different, the ways of distributing this, this stuff is different. There's not a lot of extra money floating around. People are waiting for things to shake out to see how, how it's going to go. And when I was in the midst of it, I couldn't see it. Because of, of all the stuff I learned and because of what I see happening in the, in the world out there, this film can stand alone and be a charming one-off and if somebody else wants to make more of them, we can make more of them. We're ready to make more of them. Okay. But then that's the difference is that there's a certain liberation for me as a filmmaker to be able to do something creative that stands by itself, that has other possibilities, that has a team that would be ready to launch into it if, if we could do it. But I'm not going to be the sole 
entity beating my head against a wall trying to raise money anymore. I'm really going to let the market speak. And if it looks like there's more demand for something like this, and I've had interest, and I've, but I wanted to do the pilot my way and then say, what do you think? Is this the thing you want? And if it is, great, we'll make more. And if it's not, that's okay. It was fun. And we made a swell, you know, one-off film. So and you work with a lot of the other creatives here locally. Like James Westby has a oh, documentary coming out. James, awesome. I love James. At the video store. I'm looking forward yeah, to that. Me too. Uh, me too. Brad Eichenberger. There's a few others. Any yeah. any other folks? That, Alicia uh, Rose has been very, Alicia, very, yes. very, very supportive <laughs> of me. And because I, I was curious. I mean, she's actually been very inspirational because she went and did Benefits Gus of Gusbandry yes. and knocked it out. And I'm like. Look at her go. And now she's and, got distribution. Yep. She's in second season. Yep. So I'm, she's my, you know, my model here. I'm looking at her going, yay. And she's been egging me on. So that's she another has? reason. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. She's, she's a great photographer, too. She's a tremendous photographer, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah uh, the Creative Conference was great. Are you going to be attending this year? I'm going to try, yeah. I'm, yeah. It, the only thing that would keep me is if, um, I I may be on the road. Busy lady. Uh, I may be on the road with Petunia and the Vipers. Uh, we're, we may be going to um, Nashville. To they're going to be playing there for the first time, and that's, great. that's an opportunity to promote what we're doing. Your husband, what does your husband do? Is he uh, a filmmaker too? <laughs> no. <laughs> it's funny you should ask. He's a volcano scientist. He works for the U.S. Geological Survey, and he goes around the world helping people get out of the way of volcanic eruptions. Sounds like material for a documentary film. Uh, well, that's how we met. I made a documentary about him and his colleagues, and that's how we met. <laughs> really? Uh-huh. Was this for PBS? Yes, it was. It was called In the Path of a Killer Volcano. And it, they were at the largest eruption uh, in the last century. And they saved uh, 25,000 people's lives by making the right call at the right time. And a lot of them were veterans of Mount St. Helens. Um, but they, they were asked to go to the Philippines and make the call on this eruption. And they saved all these people. Wow, yeah. your husband's a hero. Yeah, he, Pierce Brosnan played guys like him in in uh, Dante's Peak. <laughs> right. What was it like working for PBS? It's great. Uh, you know, I feel very fortunate. I uh, So I lived in Boston. I'm from Boston. And in Boston, working at WGBH is like kind of the brass ring. It's a really competitive thing, and you don't, not everybody gets to work there. And I was allowed, you know, I got in the door, and I worked on at the highest levels at PBS of those series. And it was the most, you know, it was cutting my eye teeth at the highest level of documentary filmmaking, I feel. And I, it was hard, and it was not necessarily warm and fuzzy all the time, but I learned a ton. And it served me, you know, for the rest of my career. It's been something that I take with me, that I learned rigorous research methods. I learned about journalistic ethics in a high level and I'm really grateful for that so when I moved here to be with my volcano scientist boyfriend at the time um, Oregon Public Broadcasting kind of recruited me and I ended up work I, I still do work for them a lot I've worked for them for 20 years now um, as a freelancer 
So I, I feel like it's great. I, it, it breaks my heart to see PBS still in such peril at, you know, about funding. You know, I see these things that are on the horizon and I see National Endowment for the Arts and National Endowment for the Humanities funding. And I think we really, as a nation, really have to protect those things because um, this is very high-level journalism, very high-level scholarship that goes on in, in this arena. Can you tell I feel passionate about this? This is like a big thing to me. And um, so, yeah, I'm very grateful. I learned a lot. At the same time, um, I learned certain stylistic stuff that I like to now break the rules on because they make one kind of show. And it was great to learn how to make that kind of show. But you have to learn it to break it. There you go. There you go. Yeah. I was always a writer first. That's the thing I've always done. So it's funny to be at this point in my career and say, you know, I think I should go back to writing. And I had so much fun writing it. And it's so much fun to hear actors say the things that I've been writing. I'm like, oh, that's liberating because in documentaries you're just trying to tease information out of people and maybe make a story that works with what they're saying. Maybe find a narrative hope. Yeah, yeah. But with this, it's like, oh, no, here's the narrative. Here's what you're going to (laughs) say. Here's what you're going to say. It's really fun. Well, you know, all, um, um, the the biggest podcasts now are narrative documentaries. I know. So that's always a possibility. And, I know. Uh, you definitely have that, that strong, strong background. Um, I love well, storytelling. It's, yeah, it's, say it's pop, as popular now as it ever has been. Yep. Um, horror story podcasts, too, are oh, popping yeah. up every day. Yeah, I just listen to that. No sleep. S Town. S Town. Okay, right. Yeah, yeah, I haven't heard No Sleep. I've, I've heard yes. about it. I like to. No, S Town is very high quality. Yeah. Um, so the our website is themusicianer.com. and that's just spelled musician with an er at the end. By the way. Thank you so much, Beth Harrington. A pleasure, and hopefully, I get to see you at CreateCon again this yes. year. Yes. Yes. Don't think it. It, people fully appreciate just how great it is. It, that was so much fun last year. What's your relationship with Steve? Oh, Steve is another person who helped me with Winding Stream. He did? Yep, yep. Steve came in. Uh, Steve Galen. Steve Galen, who runs CreateCon, wonderful guy. Um, he was somebody who came in when we were doing a brainstorming thing that I, th- I think I alluded to in my presentation at CreateCon, where I was trying to think outside of my own field and not keep talking to my filmmaker friends. We were all spinning our wheels thinking the same group think. And um, I got, uh, with the aid of a friend, we got a bunch of people who were outside of our realm to talk about uh, ways I could go. But Steve was interesting because he's a business guy, but he's a creative guy. He's a musician himself, and he knows a yeah, ton about performed. the Carters. Right. And he got me involved in a thing he was doing where he invited some of the Carter family up to Oregon to play. And then I ended up talking to him about the film and what I was trying to accomplish. And he was enormously helpful as an advisor, positioning me certain He's a ways. He's super nice guy. He's from awesome Staten. Guy. He's from Staten, Oregon. That's right. And nobody's from Staten. <laughs> he, he fully gets this place like few people I know. He's awesome. All right. Now we've kissed uh, Steve Galen's ass. <laughs> I think we can close the show. Thank you again, Thank Beth. You. This was a lot of fun. It was. Thanks. I appreciate it. I'm glad to meet you. (laughs) You've been listening to the Weekly Portland Podcast. Tune in next week when we talk with visual artist Hank Pender. 
I'm your host, Gregory Day, and it's been a pleasure. Oh.